Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, I'm super excited to go into a topic which we haven't really talked about on this podcast, and yet, which is incredibly important for outgrowing pornography, and that is our bodies, physical fitness, and how that interacts with our spiritual lives and all the ways that we can become more whole. And I'm so excited to have our guest today, Coach Alex Van Houten. Welcome, Alex. What is up, Drew? Thank you so much for having me on here, and thank you for the awesome work you're doing in the world. It's much needed. You're welcome. Likewise to you, this is actually going to be a two-part episode because I believe Alex has so much greatness to share with us, and we're going to do the second episode live, and you can come to that inside our community at husbandmaterial.co. Alex, what do people need to know about you? Well, first of all, they should know that I'm super jazzed up about this conversation, so uh, you might need to slow my voice down or something because this... Yeah. You and I have been trying to get this thing on the books for the last couple of months. And it just seems like, you know, everything in life is we're, we're both dads. We're both business owners. It's hard to make those lines cross. So I'm just so glad to be able to have this conversation with you. So I'm a health and fitness nerd at, at the core of it, really. And I can get sciencey, but I'm also really passionate about what I do. Uh, to those who are most important to me in the world, I'm known as dad and husband. I have two boys here in Arkansas and my wife, she's a dietitian. Her name's Kristen. And we, we raise chickens and we do outdoorsy things and we go fishing and camping and hiking when the weather permits. And when we're not, we're doing some other shenanigans <laughs> that keeps me young. And uh, that's, I mean, that's the best you, you, you should know from a personal perspective, from a professional perspective, I have been a health coach, nutritionist, and personal trainer for 16 years. And I've been working in the health and fitness space to help men and women to become their best self, to become 1% better every single day, regardless of what the goal is. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you, especially from the perspective of, of healing ourselves, playing the best game with the hand we've been dealt, and making the most, um, being stewards of what it is that God's given us. So I'm excited about this. Totally. And you're a podcaster too, right? Yes. Yes. I, I can't get enough of talking to myself in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, it's the Defining Dad Bod podcast. Yes, I actually have three podcasts. So I have a podcast called Carry Your Cross. So that's a recording of Bible studies that I do in our men's ministry here locally. And then I have a second podcast. This is the one that all started it for me. That's Defining Dad Bod. And that's about becoming and, and using our bodies in the process of becoming the fathers that we were created to be and leaving a legacy of health and fitness for our children. And then I just launched the Better Daily podcast. This is more of a short cast. It's a seven to 15 minute daily episode around a, a theme each each day of the week. And so uh, that's part of our, our Betterment community. And it's, it's a blast diving into those things and making those topics more bite-sized. That's so cool. Clearly, you have a lot of energy. Clearly, you have a lot of motivation. So where does this all come from? Why are you so passionate about health and fitness? 
Man, that goes deep into my story. I, I'd say there's really three things that are, are worth highlighting in that. Uh, the first is I actually have a genetic disorder called Ehlers-Danlos. Ehlers-Danlos is a genetic disorder that makes your body really bad at synthesizing collagen in your tissues. So in layman's terms, that means that my tendons and ligaments, my digestive tissues, my small intestine, large intestine, even my vocal cords, they're not as strong and stable as they should be. With the, the way the body works is those tendons and ligaments, those, those tissues should be linked together like Kevlar, but instead mine are more like spaghetti noodles or, or gummy bears might be a better way of putting it. So my whole life I've wrestled with injuries and pain and digestive dysfunction and fatigue and postural orthostatic tachycardia and a whole a whole myriad of other things that have been difficult. And it wasn't really until I was in my mid-20s that I knew, medically speaking, what the heck was going on. But for me, health and fitness, part of the nutrition and exercise component to me, has been playing the best game with the hand I've been dealt. Most people with Ehlers-Danlos in their mid thirties are hooked on pain pills and are kind of stuck on a couch. And that's something that I grew up seeing in my family. And, uh, when, when I had kids, I was like, pardon the French, hell no, that's not the way it's going to be. It, God made me for more than this. And I'm going, I don't know exactly how best to approach this, but I'm going to do the best I can and I won't stop. And so, uh, a passion for me has been making the most of, of that and, and not wallowing in it. You know, the, the second big piece, it, did you have something you wanted to say about that or no, you have my permission to flow and speak in the way that feels natural. Well, well, thanks. You know, this is important to me from a health and fitness perspective because people see my material online and they're like, Oh man, another guy with a six pack telling me what I should eat, you know? And, and it's like, no, I, I mean, sure, there there are some people in the world and that's the way they like to market things. But in my life, this is deep. This is a very deep and powerful and difficult thing that I've had to wrestle with. And when I work with people, for instance, who need to lose 100 pounds, in my in my view, we're wrestling with the same thing from a genetic perspective. If you if you need to lose a hundred pounds, you're somebody who, genetically speaking, is very good at putting on fat, and it's very difficult for you to to wrestle that off, right? And so, I think we're doing the same thing. I think we're trying to figure out how best to manage and and show up with high integrity with what we've been given and and to be good stewards of that. So it's the same journey and and everybody has a cross they're carrying, right? Yeah, I feel a lot of grace and space in what you just shared. Just validating wherever we are at, whether we need to lose 100 pounds, whether we are underweight, whether we're just fine, but we hate the way we look or the way we feel. I feel you giving us permission to be where we are with the hand we've been dealt with the body that we have and then taking it from there 1% daily at a time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And thank you for saying it that way because it's so important to me in my work. It took me a while working with, with business mentors and stuff like, do I really want to post half naked pictures of myself doing kettlebell (laughs) swings? Like, do we really need more of that on Instagram? But at this, at the same time, there there's a, there's a portion of that was like, no, that's, that's embodying my story. Like this guy should be hooked on pain pills on a couch somewhere, but he's not. This is, this is what, what God has given him. This is the grace God has given him and the, the courage that it takes to walk that path. And so, you know, if you'll, if you'll read the caption on the video, 
then then you get the meat of it, right? Um, but another reason that I'm, I'm really passionate about fitness is I grew up in fatherlessness. So part of my story, and we'll get into the, the hypersexuality side of things in a second, but part of my story is, is the abuse and trauma that, that goes with an abusive father uh, to to mother and, and the yelling and the screaming and all that stuff with, with adverse childhood events. Right. And I grew up without a father in the home and fitness has been a conduit of manhood for me. It has been part of, of training the warrior. So like in the psychological literature, there's something called the indestructibles. That's what psychologists call the people who have experienced trauma, but for whatever reason, didn't end up in jail, didn't end up, you know, I don't know, committing suicide or something along those lines. And, and, and they're like, why? Why is that the case? Why is it the case that some folks experience trauma and walk down a, a, almost like a, a path that you can't get away from? And, and what's the thing inside that? It, so they don't know, by the way, they don't know. But one of the things that I've felt in my health and fitness journey is that image of fighting something, fighting a battle worth fighting. It, Paul says in, in Timothy, I have, I have fought the good fight. I've, I have finished the race, right? And, and part of my story has been like, well, I, I don't have a dad to shield that, but I'm, I'm fighting something. I don't know what I'm fighting, but I'm going to lift this weight and I'm going to throw these punches and I'm going to run. And, and, you know, there's an image that you start to grow in yourself. That's like, well, I don't know what a man is, but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> so that, that's something that's been a passion of, of mine as well as, is, and I've, I've found that as I've coached men in the last 16 years, that, that that's been a conduit of manhood for them as well. You know, you don't know what's going on at work and you don't know what's going on in your marriage and you don't know sometimes whether or not you're doing this fatherhood thing, right. But I deadlifted today, dang it. And that bar didn't get the best of me. Right. And, and so it's something you can, you can set against those things that are difficult. The last thing I'm passionate about with regard to fitness is healing. And there's for myself and others, I've just noticed that there are a lot of things in the world that, that can be healing and, and powerful and good that God can use in our lives, but getting ownership of, of what goes into my body from a nutrition perspective, being cognizant and careful about restfulness, that would be what you would consider the discipline of the Sabbath. And, and also in uh, approaching with discipline and commitment, the, the practice of exercise, the practice of building your temple, so to speak, all of those things have been very healing to me. And it's just so powerful and cool for somebody to say, I was here and now I'm here. And, and this did that for me. Yeah. So that's the, I mean, I could talk about this all day because I'm passionate about it. If you haven't noticed, but, but the healing is, is powerful. Absolutely. And you mentioned how part of your healing has involved your sexuality. Could you say more about that? Yeah, man, that goes deep, right? So uh, actually part of, part of the verbiage that I can use is thanks to your work and some of the experts that you've had on, because the speech that I would have used to describe this prior would have been really esoteric and, and cloudy, but getting my story straight, the trauma that I experienced as a child was something that I struggled with and wrestled with, even though I didn't know that that's what I was wrestling with, you know, into adolescence, that uh, the urge to, to, I don't know, bed as many women as possible, which I didn't, by the way, I just masturbated a lot. That was, a, that was 
And I mean, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> you know, we had talked to friends in high school and stuff and like you'd have contests to see who did it the most in the day, or at yes. least I don't know if everybody did, but that was the thing, you know, and I won all of them because <laughs> it was, not, it was, and, and you know, what's weird about that is, is when you're a young guy, that's like a badge of pride. Like, look, look right. what I can do. And, you know, then I stumbled into pornography. There was, there was a man I really looked up to. I spent some time um, over the summer at, at his place and I stumbled on his stash, so to speak. I wasn't even looking for that. I was looking for the adapter for the Xbox um, in between jobs, you know, you work and then you play Xbox and you work. And I stumbled into this drawer full of like naked women on DVDs. And, and I don't know how it happened for everybody else, but something flipped in my head that was like, holy God, like I got all shaky and I didn't want anything to do with that, but I couldn't, couldn't stop coming back to it, you know, and that followed me into, to college. And so what I didn't realize was that the hypersexuality that I was experiencing was, was part of this, this deeply ingrained anxiety that came out of not wrestling with those traumatic memories, not inviting God into them, not bringing them to light, not speaking about them. Um, and not and not healing from them, for for lack of a better way to put it, I think the the great clinician Carl Rogers spoke about how writing down these these intensely difficult with without judgment, just writing it down and, and getting it out. And I didn't feel like I had anybody I could trust with that. You know, uh, even even my wife, even speaking to her and, and talking to her, it was it wasn't even somewhere I wanted to go with her. You know, and, and my wife is amazingly supportive and a wonderful woman, but I didn't want to be my inner child with her. That makes sense. And so, uh, there was, there was a time in my life where I was trying to break these behavioral habits of, of pornography and masturbation. And, and then, you know, even setting those down, I still needed things from my wife more frequently than, than was good for our marriage or was, you know, possible with new kids and the house and stuff like that. And so at the end of it, and, and in my brokenness, I, it really came down to having to deal with that, that trauma, to having to deal with that anxiety. I think you, you've said porn is a pacifier and it was, it was dealing with the, the inner child and, and not just porn in my life. It was, and it wasn't even libido. It was just a, a need to cover up the, the itch inside um, that was so difficult and man, it's a long story, but, but God had to, God had to bring me to that place where it was, you know, I'll never forget. I was laying in bed with my wife. We had discussed some things and, and I, you know, we had a new baby in the house and I was, I was upset. You know, you don't, have, you don't get sex as much as you want with a new baby in the house, even if you're not wrestling with hypersexuality. All right. Like her body needs to recover. Amen. And the baby's crying. She gets her oxytocin from the baby, not you. That's that's you feel like chopped liver and you're kind of off to the side. Right. But but I had this discussion with her and, and I remember in uh, man, thank God for her. She's just such a wonderful woman. She said to me, this feels like more of your problem than it is mine. And she she said it lovingly, but she said it firmly. And I remember thinking like you hear in marriages you know, that the man has certain needs and the woman has certain needs. And I thought I was just asking her to fulfill my needs. But the deeper question was, why do I need this so much? Like, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> so, uh, so 
you know, her, her asking that question was really the impetus to start digging deep into diving into the wounds that were so hard to dive into. Thank you for your vulnerability and for, for explaining so vividly what it looks like to get to the root and the core of why we struggle with these things. One of the huge pillars of your healing has been fitness. And that's one of the major ways that you help other people. So how can greater fitness help us with healing trauma, anxiety, depression, and sexual behavior too? Thanks for that. I, I think I have, I have four major ways I think this, this really helps. But I think the first thing I'll say is I was still struggling with hypersexuality, even when I was really fit. So it's not a magic bullet. It's really important to understand that it's a, it's a component, but getting six pack abs and the journey to losing a hundred pounds is not going to heal that inside of you. It can be a powerful part of the process, but it's not going to heal that inside of you. So the, the ways that it, that helps is one, uh, we've, we've been told something wrong about exercise and it's that it's a, it's, calories out. Like I got to go burn some calories. I got to go run. I got to go lift weights. I got to go, you know, do hit or whatever. Uh, that's, that's not actually the power of exercise. The power of exercise is adaptation. So your exercise is way more than calories out. It's, it's adaptation. What exercise actually is at a scientific level. And we can talk more about this probably in the Q and a, uh, cause again, this is, this is, important stuff. What we're finding out in, in exercise literature is that exercise, sure, it burns calories, but something deeper is happening. When you go through something difficult physically, like you, you tax a muscle and you tell it, Hey, we're not strong enough here. We're not endurable enough. We're not flexible enough. We're not powerful enough, whatever it is. And you do that through controlled, intelligent exercise programming. What happens is, is your body goes, Oh, okay. And whatever was, was in your DNA that hasn't been turned on, that should be turned on, that's called epigenetics, your body goes all the way down to the level of the DNA and signals, hey, we need more mitochondria in here. We need more blood volume in here. We need larger muscle tissue. Like, and, and so what happens is, is when you exercise, the magic of exercise happens after the fact. And so that's called adaptation. Here's an example. Uh, one of those things is, uh, is at the level of the brain called the amygdala. I've heard some experts on your show talk about the amygdala. Mm -hmm. The amygdala, the amygdala in layman's terms is, is the part of your brain that, that triggers an emotional response. It tags things and it says, Hey, this is really scary. Or, Hey, you should be scared. This is fearful. Or for those of us who have wrestled with hypersexuality, that's the, that's the anxiety itch that we're trying to scratch through the satisfaction of, of masturbation or pornography or, or adultery or fantasy or whatever it is you're, you're scratching the itch with exercise can actually tame the amygdalic response. So what happens is, is what you're doing through physical exercise is you're actually going through the process of anxiety you're heightening your heart rate, you're breathing hard, your, your pupils kind of dilate, you're, you're taxing the body, right? But you're doing so without the emotional fear. So what's really cool about that is, is it actually starts to condition the amygdala 
the thermostat, so to speak, of what makes you anxious actually conditions that to be set higher. The thermostat's set higher. Your your thermostat doesn't click on so often, right? Um, because you you train the body through adaptation and exercise to be less prone and sensitive to anxiety. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So to put that in my own understanding of the brain, through working out through exercise and and causing our body to need to become stronger, to need to adapt, we can actually become more resilient and less triggered all the time. That's exactly right. And, and, and it works in both directions. So anxiety reduces, right? There's really robust research around this. But from a depression side of things, because sometimes this hypersexuality thing is about a pick-me-up, right? Kind of like caffeine, but for porn addicts. <laughs> and I say that as, as somebody who's been there. Uh, but exercise also works on the other end of things, adapting the body to, to kickstart the brain out of those doldrums, out of that low, low place. So it works on both ends of the spectrum. The highs get lower and the lows get higher, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I hear you saying that exercise can be preventative and also it can be really helpful in the moment when I feel triggered. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And that resonates with me so deeply. Exercise, specifically running, aerobic exercise, swimming has helped me. And I am literally going to go for a swim later. My man. In order to do this because it's so helpful. And I didn't even understand <laughs> that it was conditioning my amygdala, but it makes so much sense. Right. And and so that brings me to number two, which is an outlet, right? So behavioral patterns need something in place of what you used to do, right? So even before I wrestled even before I, I managed the trauma, even before I brought healing to that place in my life and invited God into that, even before that, it was still like, I don't really want to do this. I had an immense amount of guilt and shame kind of wrapped up in that. And so one of my more positive ways of handling that itch, the the porn as a pacifier thing, I'd much rather use exercise as a pacifier. Like it's at least it's good for me. Like so so it's like I really feel like this. I'm going for a run. Like forget it. I'm out of here. Like you, you know what? You know it's not going to follow me on my run. None of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's so good and I actually want to bless all the pacifiers out there healthier than porn. Right. Even something as simple as watching a movie um, can be a step closer to greater health and presence and freedom uh, than watching porn. And maybe getting up off the couch and going for a walk while listening to this podcast. That's right. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have to go straight to the kettlebell swings. Um, and so it's okay to have pacifiers. I have pacifiers that help me soothe and regulate when I'm triggered and, and distressed. What we're doing here is choosing better ones. That's exactly right. And I mean, good behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy is, hey, there's a trigger. There's a thing that leads to this particular action you generally can't change the trigger very well. Like you can change, you know, the thermostat, so to speak, as we were talking, but the action, usually you can, you can usually put something in place of that. Like if a smoker is trying to quit smoking, it's easier to step down to nicotine gum than it is to go cold Turkey. You know, I feel like a cigarette. Here's some gum. It's not great, but it's not as bad as smoking. Right. And, and so anyway, exercise can be a powerful outlet on, on that front. Uh, the other thing I love about exercise with regard to hypersexuality is 
is it it gives an answer to isolation. Uh, there's a community around health and fitness. There just is. So like if you walk into a gym or you walk into a CrossFit studio or you walk into a yoga place or you go walk on a trail with other people who are walking, you automatically filter out the rest of the world. And, and for me, at least growing up, these were my people. Even if they were doing weird stuff in the squat rack, all right. Like at least, <laughs> at least they were trying to better themselves. You know, like it's like you see some of those YouTube videos. You're like, what is that guy doing? I don't know. At least he's in the gym. <laughs> like that's that's good. So it's it's a helpful answer to isolation. And as you know, the hypersexuality, or or maybe more broadly, the devil himself loves for men to be isolated, like when you're in isolation, you feel like you're on an island, the shame, the guilt, the anxiety, the depression, all that can get worse. But when you get to be around other people who have similar interests to you, or at least are also trying to better themselves, then it, it keeps you out of that. Like It's so true, especially if you're working a full-time job, especially if you have a wife and maybe some kids at home, what space do you have? Like, where can you connect with other men? What I've found is that in order to have quality, consistent time with other men in person, we've got to be going for a walk or a run or a swim or something physical, because otherwise, when's it going to happen? That's exactly right. And so that that answer to isolation has been powerful to me. Many of the positive and, and deep relationships that I've grown in my life have been because of the health and fitness pursuit. And we've talked about this on another podcast, men form relationships side by side, having a shared activity, looking in the same direction, and fitness can be such a great way to do that. Right. So let's say you have a running buddy, right? One of the things that happens when you're exercising um, at a at a base cardio level, not high intensity, but a base cardio level, you're not going to get this from kettlebell swings, but at a base cardio level, you actually get higher cognitive function. It's kind of like caffeine almost. You get slightly higher cognitive function. People who enjoy running or enjoy swimming, they'll often report they think more clearly in the middle of those those base base cardio is I could hold this for 15 or longer minutes and it's not too bad. I can still form sentences, that sort of thing. Um, it's good thinking time. It's like moving meditation. So if you're side by side with a guy and you're both jogging and it's not too hard, you know, you're not on an evil hill or you're not like, you know, trying to make race time or whatever, you might actually say some things that you wouldn't normally say, which, you know, when you're, when you're in relationship with men, like, and you go out for some beers or something, you're using alcohol as an inhibitor to change the, the consciousness around it to make the thing more pleasurable, enjoyable, and to say some things you probably wouldn't normally say so you can get them off your chest. Exercise can be a helpful switch of consciousness to, to allow men to experience something a little bit different together that they wouldn't experience, you know, chilling around the family table or, or you know, kicking it at, at church, for instance, no, no offense to church, but there are some things you just won't say next to the guy in the congregation versus when you're on a jog with him. Would you say the same for a walk? Absolutely. It depends on your level of conditioning, right? So, so some individuals are very well conditioned. So if you've been exercising a lot in your life, you have good cardiovascular conditioning, a walk's not quite going to do it for you. <laughs> but, but if you're relatively new to health and fitness, then, then a, a walk is, is great base cardio. 
Wonderful. So I know we got some guys listening to this who hate running. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, crap, I got to be a runner to have great <laughs> conversations. No, that's not what I'm saying. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> and the last thing I, I think that's really helpful here is the building of, of your character. You, you change your personal narrative when you engage in a health and fitness journey. You can start checking things off the box, right? You can say, you can say hey, I reduced sugar in my life. Look at that. Look what I did today. You know, and even if you're still struggling with other things, you have a win in the bucket, you know, and, and what happens is you just start looking in the mirror and, you know, maybe, maybe you are seeing some physical change. Maybe you're seeing that your shoulders are getting broader and maybe you're seeing some muscle definition. Maybe you're seeing your gut come down. All that's awesome. But what happens is you start looking at the guy in the mirror and you start telling yourself a different story about that guy because, because that guy prior to your health and fitness journey, you're like, man, you might have all kinds of things you're ashamed about, all kinds of things you're wrestling with. You might've blown up at your kids. You might've watched porn yesterday. Like it could have been a bunch of different things that you could put in your losses bucket. But that guy has been consistent with his walking routine or weightlifting routine and cutting out sugar or whatever it is for the last three months. And he's seeing progress. And that guy is becoming something completely different. And what happens is one day you look in the mirror or somebody says something to you and it, it, it flips a switch. You're like, I'm not that other guy anymore. Hmm. And that's really powerful when you're wrestling with something traumatic and difficult in your life. And when you're trying to, when you're trying to become, when you're trying to, to be better and, and manifest better, you start to see that. And the cool thing about exercise is like, did you do it today? Yes or no. <laughs> and nobody's stopping you. Yeah. On the journey of outgrowing porn, it can sometimes feel discouraging to not have those tangible evidences that I really am growing, that I really am changing. So this is so tactile and embodied. Feels like it's easier to celebrate the wins. Absolutely. You know, with a good exercise program, for instance, you should, I mean, you will get stronger. You do shoulder presses at five pounds long enough, you're going to do 10 pounds and now you're going to do 15 pounds. And I know everybody has a mortal limit to their strength, but those those changes before you even see it, those changes matter. Jesus said, uh, blessed are those who you guys believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. Exercise is one of those things that you don't see the fruits of right away, but you can mark the action off and you can start seeing progress relatively fast, even before you see the effect in your life. And that's, that's, I mean, there's not many things like that. Alex, right now, I'm feeling a little bit more motivated <laughs> Good <laughs> to get 1% better from where I'm at right now. You've given us so many reasons why this matters, why it's important, and some low hurdles that we can overcome in order to get into it. I mean, at a basic level, we all know that health is important, but we still have such a hard time pursuing it. Why is that? Well, we, ha we all have our obstacles, right? Um, and I can make, because I am a health and fitness nerd, I can make this sound really complicated. But if every single guy sat on the edge of his bed and asked God, God, what's one thing I can do to better my body that I know I need to be doing and I'm not doing and take the smallest chunk there and do it. And then the same thing was one thing I'm doing to my body that I need to stop doing. 
<laughs> that I know I need to stop doing. You know, it could be the Diet Coke. It could be the way too dang much coffee. It could be the 7 p.m. ice cream run, whatever. But but it's it's relatively simple. Now, the question why we don't do it, that's that's way harder. So <laughs> Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And as Christians, we're like, yeah, we, we should be nice to people. But, but we got we to gotta really ask the question about what it means to love yourself. Because when, when I talk to people about their health and fitness journey, it's not usually the program that needs to change so much as it is their understanding of what they're actually doing for themselves. Because so if you ask somebody how they love their children, do you give them everything they want? Do you heap all the things you never had upon them? Do you make their lives as easy as possible so that no harm ever befalls them and it's never difficult? No, you don't do that. That's not how you love your kids. And we all have a different way of approaching it, but we hold the line. We try to teach them to become everything that they were created to be, to manifest their fullest potential and to go, man, you're better than that. Or, I'm going to help you do this. Or man, no, you can't subsist on chicken nuggets and ice cream for the rest of your life. You're going to eat broccoli sometimes, and I don't care if you don't like it. Um, and that's how you love your kids. And every dad knows that. I'm not saying we're all perfect dads, but every dad knows that, feels that drive deep down inside of them. And then I encourage you to look in the mirror at yourself. What does it mean to love yourself? What does it mean to love yourself like that? Don't you deserve to be a little bit more physically fit than you are right now. Don't you deserve to put in your face things that are better for you than what you're putting in your face right now. And, and I know like that gets really convoluted and stuff, but I think at the very core of it is, is we don't know how to love ourselves. And I, from a scientific perspective, literally saying, let's say God gave you at conception a very unique genetic makeup. And that particular genetic makeup does well with XYZ exercises, XYZ foods, XYZ amount of sleep, blah, blah, blah. What does it mean to love yourself? Well, to love yourself means to manifest that potential as openly, courageously, bravely, powerfully as possible. And it really sucks when our physical bodies are the impediment to that because we've treated ourselves poorly. We've fed ourselves poorly. We haven't moved well. We haven't rested enough. And we've had to cover this all up because, you know, we're tired, but we're using caffeine to fix that. Or we're, we're, we're feeling fat. And so we're trying to run off all the calories. It's like, no, man, you're, you're worth more than that. You were created to be more than that. So let's learn to love ourselves in, in that uh, there's, there's a study, Jordan Peterson popularized this in his 12 Rules for Life book on treat yourself like you are somebody that you're responsible for helping, is what he says. And he highlights this, this very real study about how people are way more likely to give their dog their life-saving medicine, 99%. They're going to give their dog their life-saving medicine, but when it's them. When they've had a kidney transplant, and if they don't take this pill, they're probably going to die. The adherence to that is less than 40%. So people will take better care of their dog than they will themselves. And, and like, that's hard. And, and I'm, I'm not indicting anybody. The, the, the real thing is 
here too. Loving yourself is a painful process. It's hard to learn. It's hard. Like I told you about adaptations earlier, exercise is not just about burning calories. It's about literally digging into every muscle, every fiber of your being, every hormone, every neuro, uh, what am I trying to say? Neuroplastic structure in your brain and saying, we're not everything we could be. Let's get better. That hurts, dude. That hurts. And you're not going to do that yourself. Like <laughs> you're just not, that's a hard process. And so I think, I think part of that is many of us feel alone in the process of learning to love ourselves well. And, and I think that's really at the core of why we don't, why we don't do that. Yeah. We have a hard time pursuing health and fitness because when it comes down to it, we don't love ourselves. And that's difficult to say. And yet, when we look back at our childhoods, a lot of us were not allowed to have needs. A lot of us were taught to neglect ourselves and our desires. We didn't have that loving and compassionate, fierce, commitment to to become better. Um, I think one of the reasons why exercise is such a big part of my life is because my dad would invite me to go exercise with him. And I saw it modeled for me that he made that a really important part of his life. And so naturally I imitated him. And a lot of us didn't have that. We didn't have that person. We didn't have that father. We didn't have that older wiser brother or mentor leading us through this. And so, of course, we have no idea what we're doing. And of course, it's so hard just to get off the couch or get off of work in order to go do this. I mean, we face incredible inertia uh, on top of whatever shame and self-contempt we're feeling, on top of whatever anxiety and despair we may have about this. And what I want to invite everybody into as we consider what the next step would be is gentleness and tenderness and compassion for where we are. Simply being with the little boy who never had somebody to play catch with him, to be with the little boy who never got taken out to to go to the gym or go learn a new skill or go push his limits, um, to bless that boy, to love him. And then to try something new and see how it goes. And we're allowed to not be great at the exercise we're trying. We're allowed to be imperfect and to be learners. That's well said. I, I think you've dug at something that that is also at the core of why it's hard for health and fitness. And, and I just wanted to address something you just said, which is it might sound weird to approach your inner child with gentleness and then proceed to try to whip yourself into shape. Like those things sound like diametrically opposed, but, but you also said in there, and I think this is, this is the core of it. It's a loving, at least I imagine, and this is something I say to my boys regularly a loving father says to the son, he says, you're better than this. And you owe it to yourself to find out how much better. It's okay to suck. Like it's okay to suck at this. It's okay to be bad at it, but you're made of sterner stuff than you know, man. So we're going to keep 
going at it. We're going to keep practicing it. We're going to keep doing it. And we're going to do so in a way that doesn't make it suck worse all the time. We're going to do so in a way that, that establishes your self-efficacy and that, that helps you to feel strong and, and, and powerful in this thing. And that's, that's the thing is, is it's not just like, like you owe it to you to, to learn how to love yourself in gentleness. It's like, what's, what's the most encouraging thing that somebody could say to you? And that is, Hey man, you're not perfect the way you are, but that doesn't mean you can't get better. Yes. And another part of being a good dad is saying, Hey, little guy, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do this with you. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not going to do myself. Hey, let's do this together. Let's make it quality time. That's one of my favorite ways to motivate myself and my clients to do self-care. Consider it quality time with your inner child. Let's go out and do it together. And there's no contradiction between gentleness and tenderness and pushing your limits. It's, It's saying, I believe in you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm committed to you. Let's go find out what's possible. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. There's a story that comes to mind for me in my life right now about this. Last weekend, I hurt my toe really badly. It's blue right now. I may have broken it. It's kind of swollen. And next weekend, I'm signed up for the longest run I've ever done. It's a 16-mile trail race here in Santa Barbara with 5,000 feet elevation gain. I've never done anything like this before. (laughs) And I broke my toe the weekend beforehand. It's the pinky toe. I went on a little practice run yesterday. And here's why I'm bringing that up. Because my goal next weekend is to be gentle and tender while seeing what I can do and pushing my limits. They're not contradictory. What I want to do is run the race for the joy set before me and check in with myself to find out where my limit is. Thankfully, it's an out and back race so that I can turn around when I need to, if I need to. And we'll see how it goes. To me, that felt like a great case study of what we're talking about. Very good case study of what we're talking about. Well said. And with Ehlers-Danlos, that, that's been my experience. Is I'm, I've always had to wrestle with some sort of injury and learn to love myself well in that. Because it's like a, if you let the injuries dictate what you will or won't do, then in my life, at least, I'd never do anything. (laughs) And that's not very loving to me. Absolutely. I'll let you know how this race goes. I'm going to do the best with the foot I've been given. (laughs) That's right. That's what I'm talking about, man. You got this. So there's a little bit of motivation. One of the things I've loved about talking with you is the way that you can get motivation and inspiration from the Bible too. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, man, I, you asked me, uh, before our conversation here, you asked me, what are some, what are some biblical passages or, or verses that are motivating to you or inspiring to you with regard to health and fitness in, so I, 
you know, I had a list, but I, I wrote, oh my gosh, it was so long. So <laughs> I could send you a list of those to post in, in your community, perhaps that might be powerful and good. I want to share a few of them here though. Some of the easy ones, some of the, like the high level, like you don't have to think about this much for to be motivated by it. You got Hebrews 12, one, right? Let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Right. And, and like, unless you've run much or done anything that just requires endurance where you, you like, your head's in the sand. You, you, all you can really see is the thing in front of you. You know, your nose is to the grindstone. It's right there. And you look up and it's still so far away and everything hurts. Like everything, everything's hard and difficult. And, and for somebody to say, let us run with endurance. And in the Christian walk, man, it's no walk in the park. Every Christian knows, or at least every Christian who spends a lot of time with God in the walkingness goes, it's not easy. It's not like it's not an easy path. It's not, it's not easy. And having endurance there, both from a physical perspective and a spiritual perspective, is just something that like digs into your being. And I have guys who love strength training. Like they love to lift heavy, you know, and then they hate cardio. They're like, oh, I hate walking up hills. I hate swimming. I hate biking. I hate jogging. And it's like, okay, well, you can't be strong and not endurable. You can't be powerful and not gritty. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm your coach. And I'm, and also, you know, you're going to be fatter than you should be. That's all there is to it. When you don't train endurance, your body doesn't know how to use fat as a fuel source. So we gotta, we gotta get on that train. Anyway, the, the point is that verse is, is powerful to me. I think about it pretty frequently when I would like to give up in my exercise practice, when things are difficult, I'm hitting a particularly difficult hill, or I don't have, I don't feel like I have any more reps in me. It's like, no, I'm going to approach this with endurance, the race that is set before me, right? Um, another one I love is Romans 5, 3, three through 4. <laughs> and I know this is not what he, Paul's talking about. I know it, but but in my weird exercise nerd brain, this translates really well. Therefore, be thankful in your suffering. Because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces patience and patience produces hope. I actually have that in my garage gym on the wall. Um, and, and I know, I know Paul was talking about the persecution of the Christian church, but I live in, in God's wonderful state of Arkansas and there's not a lot of persecution of the church happening over our heads. And I think that you know, part of what's taught me to be strong and walk with God in the suffering has been this difficulty with the Ehlers-Danlos. Like there's a level of suffering that, that is inherent in overcoming this genetic disorder. I don't always want to exercise, man. It hurts. It hurts to do it right. It, like even if you're doing everything right and your joints aren't mad at you, the burn down deep in your muscles that, that creates that ad adaptation, man, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to suffer on purpose but I'm going to produce hope. And it really does. It really does produce hope. So, um, and then my, I have a few other ones, but, but let's be nerdy and sciencey for a second, if you don't mind, please. I love these two. So first in first Corinthians, Paul says that your body is a temple. This is first Corinthians six nineteen, and, and to treat it as such. One of the things we've been told about nutrition is that our food is calories. We're trying to balance our calories. We're trying to make sure we don't take in more than we burn off, right? And so everything boils down to the calorie. You've got your 100-calorie pack of, of Oreos, or you could have 100 calories of spinach. They're basically the same thing. No, they're not. No, they're not. The thing about 
nutrition that many people haven't been told is that your body builds itself out of what you eat. So Drew, will you hold a finger up for me? Yeah. Check that finger out. Look at that finger. Mm-hmm. He's giving me the pointer finger for the listeners, by the way. He's, he's <laughs> not giving you uh, the finger, not the finger finger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are going to build a new finger in the next three years. Like every single molecule in this finger is going to be a different molecule than it is right now. That's, that's scientific fact. You as a entity are continually building yourself out of what you put in your mouth. And so when we talk about building our temple, treating our body as a temple, like our nutrition is literally what the materials by which we are building the temple. That's when we choose what we eat and we put in our face, we're saying, I want that to be part of the brick and mortar of my body. I want that to be part of the cornerstone. I want that to be part of the doorway. And frankly, there are a lot of people walking around with mud huts worried about calories. It's like, bro, (laughs) come on, man. You're, You're a temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit wants to indwell and you give it a better place to live, dude. And, and so I, I draw a lot of inspiration from that, from a nutrition perspective. And again, I could go on for a while, but one more, one more, just one more. Please, let's go. So Exodus 3, Moses is, is walking along in the, in the desert, right? And he sees this burning bush and he's like, what in the world? It's, it's not burning up. The bush isn't being consumed. And, and if you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, you know, this is the, the the paramount moment where God talks to Moses and tells him, dude, you are responsible for bringing my words to Pharaoh and freeing my people. And it like, I mean, that's what the rest of the old Testament's about basically. And so Moses has this huge, huge thing with this burning bush, right? Well, burning is combustion. Burning is, is, you know, flames. Right. And, uh, I'm a chemistry nerd. I went to school for chemical engineering, so I appreciate this very much. The combustion reaction is fuel plus oxygen yields carbon dioxide plus H2O. So everybody take a deep breath with me. Ready? And then out. You are a combustion reaction at the level of every single mitochondria in your body. What happens is you're taking an oxygen you're burning through fuel. It's fuel that you've eaten or fuel that you've stored, right? You're burning through fuel. And what's produced is carbon dioxide and water. If you breathe on, on like a mirror, it's like it condenses and fog. So you've got carbon dioxide and water coming out of your face, right? So you, at the very core of it, you are a combustion reaction. That's what's happening in your body all the time. But what's really cool about you as a combustion reaction is you're not being consumed. You're being built anew. And what's really crazy is, is they didn't know any of this thousands of years ago. They didn't know any of this, but the projection of the burning bush is actually a wonderful reflection of what you actually are when you're exercising. You're turning up the, you're turning up the furnace a little bit. Like, hey, I'm already a combustion reaction. Let's turn up the furnace a little bit. Let's get these flames really going. I'm not going to be consumed. I'm going to be built to new, right? And, and it's so cool. It's so deep and powerful to know that the way God built our bodies is so that we also have a conscious say in how we build ourselves and how often we turn up the furnace. And I think both of those things are are really inspiring to me. And I I hope anybody listening gets some inspiration next time they're, they're suffering through their exercise routine. 
The next time you suffer through your exercise routine, building a porn-free body, you are literally on fire. On fire. You're on fire! You're on fire! You're turning on the heat, dude! <laughs> I love it. So thank you for that. I, again, I could keep going, but that those are those are some good ones to start with. Those are some great ones. I kind of want to hear more. Let's go for a couple more biblical sources of inspiration. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, thank you. Thought you'd never ask. Okay, so so Second Corinthians twelve nine. This is actually a really hard passage, right? So Paul says, "I have this thorn in my side, and I asked God three times to remove it from me." So this is this is hard, right? Because this is like. I'm asking for healing here. He's not giving it to me. I've seen paralytics walk. I've seen blind men see, and we don't know what thorn in his side Paul's Paul's wrestling with, but he, but he asks God for, for this thing to be removed from him. And God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast evermore in my weaknesses so that the power of God may rest on me. And what's really cool about your health and fitness pursuit is that especially when you're exercising, not not to burn calories, but to actually achieve adaptations, is you're going to feel weak regularly. Not every single workout. I've, I've been to a few CrossFit studios and I'm not crapping on CrossFit here, but been to a few CrossFit studios where every workout, man, you're just like dead. You're di- like dying on the, <laughs> that, that was the point of the workout was to just to rip you down. And, and my poor joints can't handle that. But the powerful part of an exercise practice that, that brings you to a weak area in your life where you realize I am not enough. This is my limit. I can't go beyond this right now. This is it. I'm spent. I'm done. That, that feeling it doesn't happen very often acutely in life. You might feel like that in general, especially if you're depressed, but you don't often get the opportunity to be right there in your weakness and then say, thank you, God. To say, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you that I'm able to, to, to approach this this way in my life. Help me remember that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Like teach me what it's like to be strong in this moment for you. Um, and because that weakness is something that, I mean, we all, we're all going to be weak, but what's cool about our health and fitness journey is we can put ourselves there on purpose. <laughs> we can be there on purpose and it, and it, and it does something beneficial and positive, but at the same time, we, we get to feel that and know, and know that that's not the end of us, that that's not the end. We get to wake up tomorrow. And what you said earlier about adaptation means that when we are weak, our body is literally telling itself to become stronger. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's really cool to think about. Last one, Hebrews 11. I actually hated this verse growing up, you know, because Jesus says in the gospels, the faith is this uh, faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He doesn't say exactly like that. But the, the point is like, you should have faith. Faith is good. Faith is a powerful component to this whole following Christ thing. And uh, so the writer of Hebrews says, so I'm looking, you know, as an adolescent, like, where's, what is faith? I need more of that. How do I get more of this superpower? (laughs) That would be cool. Um, He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And (laughs) when I was an adolescent, (laughs) I was so mad at that verse. It was like a poem I didn't get. (laughs) Like, 
okay, faith is pretty cool, but I have no idea what that means. So awesome. Uh, what, one of the things I love about the health and fitness journey, and I alluded to it earlier about what Jesus had to say about blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe, is when you think about a fitness goal, I want to lose 20 pounds, for instance, or I want to develop a cardiovascular practice so I don't die of heart disease in my 50s like my dad did or something like that. So you develop this vision for your health and fitness, and then you start taking steps toward it. What's crazy is you don't get to see the fruits of that anytime soon. Like even if you're on a weight loss journey, the poor guys, there's probably some guys listening to this. They've probably started to try to lose weight and gained three pounds in the first three days. And they're like, what in the world? Like I ate good I exercise. That's actually part of the process, buddy. Like your metabolic fluid increases, your blood volume increases. You'll probably gain weight before you lose weight. So hang in there, man, get past that new phase. You'll be all right. Anyway, slight branch into encouragement there, but, but faith, the substance of the things that we hope for. When I'm on a health and fitness journey, the substance, the thing that I can touch, the thing that I can feel in front of me, the substance of the things that we hope for, and the evidence of the things that we don't see, the fact that I'm actually growing a little bit every time, or my pantry starts to look a little bit different, or people start noticing, like, you're, you're eating weird lunches, like, why aren't you eating donuts in the break room? Um, the, the process of growing, the process of betterment through nutrition and exercise is a process of growing faith. The substance of the things that we hope for, the evidence of the things that we don't see happens in exercise and nutrition practice. You don't get to see the fruits of it right away, but you know it's good and you know you're progressing and you get tiny little hints here and there that it's, it's going the way it's supposed to. And what's crazy is three years later, if you look in the mirror and you go, how far have we come in the last three years? You're like, I don't even know. I don't even know that old guy. Who was that dude? You know, and that's the, that's the cool thing. That's the cool thing about faith. It's almost like you've moved a mountain. Yeah. And I can say the exact same thing for my own journey to freedom and healing and my sexuality. I look back and I'm like, even three years ago, that Drew is almost unrecognizable. I mean, the core is still there, but God has done so much and it's come from consistency, showing up, believing that there's more. And never given up. Knuckle yeah. bump, man. <laughs> Knuckles. It. Thanks, Alex. For you personally, what is your favorite thing about building a porn-free body? Uh, all this stuff I've talked about is my new favorite thing, just so you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so there's this word integrity. Like if you ask just about any guy, what are some values that you want to live by? And and even if I don't know, even if you don't have them readily available on your bathroom mirror most of us would agree that we want integrity and we want to be a man of integrity. And, and the word integrity, I think is a really interesting word because integrity comes from the word integrate. Integrate is opposite of disintegrate, right? Disintegrate means to be blown into a million different pieces or something like that. Webster, Webster probably says it better than that, but to be integrated, to integrate means to take all the little pieces and bring them back together to take all the pieces of you that have blown apart and to, and to put them into one solid, powerful unit to be a man of integrity. And, and I love that in the process of building a porn-free body, your exercise routine, how much sleep you get, what you're eating, 
all of those become a testament to your journey, a part of the whole process, right? Why do you eat this way? God made me to be different. God made me not to have to wrestle with hypersexuality for the rest of my life. That's why I'm eating this instead of that. Why do you run? I got to talk to God, man. I need to invite healing into that, that part of my life. I have to manage anxiety well. I have to keep myself out of depression. I have to stay cardiovascularly ready. A lot of guys don't know this, but your, your penis is a part of your body that will show whether or not you're in good cardiovascular health before anything else. So erectile dysfunction usually precedes cardiovascular disease by about six years. So like whether or not you end up with a clogged heart is usually signaled by uh, whether or not you're able to achieve and maintain an excellent erection in your wonderful sexual relationship with your wife. A lot of guys don't know this, but when you ask a guy, why do you go for a run? Oh, I'm trying to be healthy. No, no, no. You are being a powerful sexual animal and you're developing your body and you're burning fat as a fuel source and you're reducing anxiety and you're improving your, your, your levels of depression during the winter months and all those things, right? You're, I think the, the thing I love about this most is that you can take all the pieces of your life and put them together because your health and fitness journey is a reflection of your entire life. It's not whether or not you spent 30 minutes at the gym today. It's, it's, it's a consistent practice over time that builds a new you over a period of time that turns on the fire as we were talking about and creates adaptations. And like, this is, this is not an eight week program to six pack abs, dude. Like that's empty. And, and I wish it would go away because this is different. This is very different. It's a part of your integrity. And I think that's the thing that, that I love most about it. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insight. And I'm really excited for our next episode, which is going to be live inside the Husband Material community. So you can join that and we will get a lot more technical and practical and actually answer your questions. Any questions that you have about health, fitness, food, exercise, we are going to receive and share with you on the next episode. So that's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be powerful. And we got a little sciencey, but not super nerdy yet. So I'm super stoked about all the things that people are going to bring to the table about supplements and how often they should exercise and intermittent fasting and bring it, man. I'm super stoked. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. And guys, you can find all of Alex's information in the show notes. He has tons of resources to help you out. And always remember, you are God's beloved son and you, he is well-pleased. <laughs>